Hello and welcome to a time of edification with Caruso Ministry. Get ready to be edified and equipped to edify others. Ready? Let's begin. Maybe one of the reasons why we are not so effective with evangelism is that our, our, our mindset towards the world is not what scripture says. It's because we have a mindset or a perspective towards the world that is largely based on the way we see things. Are we together, guys? So, in fact, from our perspective, it almost looks like unbelievers are doing well than believers. Are we together? And so, you ask yourself, what exactly is there to talk about? Are we together, guys? You know, there's, there's certain things I see and they hurt me. For example, when you're a pastor, and every single excess that we see from all of your sermons always has to do with believer making money. You, and you think, what do you think we are doing? What do you think we are doing? And so, in your sermon, all you talk about is how there is a reason why most Christians are poor. Because they can't think far. They can't think why. They cannot do this. They do this thing. Even if it is true, that's not the purpose of the pulpit. I wish together, guys. Just that, I, I, I agree that a lot of Christians are financially unintelligent. I personally agree. I mean, having discipled believers, I know that a lot of people, their finances is right. They don't have any plans. Nothing. And if you ask them, I say, there's no much money now. So it's money like that that you plan. That's the reason. That's the reason. If you don't plan it, when he enters your hands, you'll be sure the way to go. I wish you get that So I'm not arguing that a lot of Christians can be financially unintelligent. And in fact, maybe from time to time, as a, as a pastor, from time to time, you don't want to put your flock in the right direction. But when every single one of your sermon is about how to create ideas that can come around the world, what do you think we are doing here? And so every of your sermon just goes to show how the world is better than Christians because the world knows how to innovate ideas. But Christians, we only talk, and in fact, what even annoys me so much is that the man will now, in a sense, talk down on prayer. You know, then yet things like all Christians want to do is just to pray, 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 pray. He said, if you pray from today to tomorrow, you'll be a billionaire in the spirits. But in the real sense, there'll be no money. You, 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 you don't, you're not. You, what do you think we are doing here? What do you think this place is for? So, you know, I was saying something, I remember when I said I'm giving, I said something. I said, if it was in today's age that we had the Macedonian and the Corinthian church, the letter that Paul wrote, people, people would have understood. Because the Macedonian church was a lot poorer compared to the Corinthian church. Yes, Paul wrote to, Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and says, I would to you the grace of God bestowed upon the church of Macedonia. Sir. And then he goes on to now say, how does in a great trial of affliction and great poverty, it abounded to the riches of their liberality. So he's talking about the grace of God bestowed upon them. And he acknowledges the fact that they are in deep poverty. He knows this is today. Then, then here is worse, now worse. He now tells the Corinthian church, which is richer than the Macedonian church, and he tells them, I want you to be like the Macedonian church. Of course, not in terms of poverty, but in terms of how they give. But sure you know if it's today, it's the other way around. You tell the Macedonian church, see, there is a grace of God that is working in those people. And you see, let me tell you something about the anointing of the prophets. It's those who believe it that receive it. Because I'm the same man. I went to the Macedonians. I, sorry, I went to the Corinthians. Their, their businesses are booming. The word of God is good. Everything is moving. But you will see, we don't understand. We'll pray for you. We lay hands. We do this. We do that. Nothing is thriving. 
you quickly forgotten that. Let's even, you know, there's a way we talk about money that is very dishonest. See, hard work is good, but sometimes you have to be honest with yourself. There are some kind of places that if you work hard from this to tomorrow, there's a limit to what you can have. It's not a cost. If you genuinely sit down to analyze it, there are some, there are, some, there are particular professions that the reality of it is just the end more. Are we together, guys? It's not necessarily because they work, they, they work harder. They don't spend more. So it's not because you are lazy sometimes. Sometimes you are lazy. Are we together? Sometimes you are lazy. There's no arguments. But sometimes you are not lazy. Amen? Don't use inspiration and kill yourself. Sometimes you are not lazy. You are not in the wrong profession. Are we together, guys? Okay, a very, let me give you a very, a very good example. Family is an example. In Nigeria civil service, for example, there's a cap on how much you can get. Chances that you'll be earning up to a million after even 30 years of service is extremely slim. Then you know somebody like that. Then you now talk about one young guy who started doing front-end development some five years ago and has a big break and is working with a foreign company in Nigeria. And as at his fifth year, as at his fifth year, he's earning maybe $3,000 per month. You now look at the both of them. You say, that's a boy that knows how to receive. That's a boy that knows how to receive. He knows how to receive the anointing. The anointing will work for anybody that believes in it. That boy believed in the anointing and the anointing worked for him. I can't say for others. No, you're already saying. Don't say you can't say. You're saying you're already saying that they did not receive of the anointing. That's what you're saying. And you're a very dishonest person. You're wicked. No, you have to be wicked to say something like that. Because you, you know that. So at the end of the day, you know, let me uh, yeah, well, I will always say from today to tomorrow. Alright? By the grace of God, you know, we have people who are doing quite well financially among us. Just my point. But let me say something there. I know I really understand very well. At the end of the day, in the church, alright, there will always be people who are doing better financially than some other people. Amen. Are we together? All of us cannot be millionaires. This one, and is you agree to your mind? All of us cannot. Let me tell you, the day all of us are millionaires, there is inflation. And guess what? Even if all of us are millionaires, it won't mean, it won't mean anything anymore. Are we together? The reason you can be rich is that there's such a thing as being poor. Amen. It's just simple economics. It's simple economics. If all of us here. If suddenly everybody, have you ever wondered why the co- the country? I'm sorry, this is just a, other, some other discussion. Well, have you ever wondered why in a country where they have one million Zimbabwean dollars, they talk about how their economy is terrible? That's why. Because once one million, once anybody can have one million, <laughs> your economy has crashed. You understand? There's nothing again. That's the point. Are we together, guys? So maybe you should be very gentle with where you are professing everybody here, millionaires are. Ah, it's economy there. <laughs> Amen? All of us cannot be a millionaire. A billionaire. All of us cannot be. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Teach hard work and teach contentment. I believe that those are the greatest blessings any young guy can have. Hard work. Anything that your hand finds to do, do with all of your hearts. Be hardworking, be smart. Just another point. See opportunities, go for it. But then, whatever you are able to make out of a honest living, be contented. So, the, one of the big that, that contentment is actually what most of us need. Amen. Some some of the prayer points we are praying in church is actually fueling greed. It is. Some of the testimonies we give is fueling greed. 
It is, and that's the reason why, as a minister of the gospel, there are certain testimonies I don't share. Not because it didn't happen. Or better still, when I share it, I don't share it often. I we together. Because let me tell you, if as a, let me tell you, because you need to understand, you need to understand the kind of hold that you have on people as the teacher of God's word. It's a very serious thing. Whatever you expose people to consistently, that's what their hearts will long after. Are we together? So if you want a church that is given to evangelism, talk about it a lot. That's it. That's simply what it is. It's just what we're saying that the believer responds to God's word. Whatever you show them consistently from God's word, they respond to it. Are we together, guys? So if you consistently, if you consistently show the believer from God's word, all right, that you know he's a minister of the gospel and so on and so forth, you would have believers who will begin to respond as ministers of the gospel. Are we together, guys? So now, when you are giving testimony, and all the testimony, all your testimony as a pastor is testimony of one person that got a car. Oh, I just got the house. Oh, I just got this. I just got that. You don't know it. But you are wearing your members to begin to think. Now, you might say, I don't teach it. You don't have to teach it. Just from those constant talking about it again and again, you are beginning to wire their minds to believe that spirituality equates financial growth. Are we together, guys? That's it. So, there are certain examples that, and this is one of the things I have to learn as a, as a minister. Certain examples I don't talk about. I don't say anything about it. I don't tell people about it. I don't tell people about it. Also, particularly when a good number of people are teaching also, for example, as students. Don't kill them. I, I believe it's very unfair. You are giving, you are talking to students. I'm talking about, you know, someone who has got a car of 10 million naira through you. Kill them to kill themselves. Wait, when does the student want to see that money? When you were a student, did you see that kind of money? How many students even see up to a million naira? And now you are wondering why young boys will do your own and bring the ties to church. That's why. Are we together, guys? Bring it. I know there was a feeling that was training of a man, of, a supposed man of God, an agent of the devil, who was praying. He told the young boys to, bring, to raise their phones. And he was praying. Yes! He was praying on it. He was praying on it. That's what happens. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. You know, I'm, I'm going to teach you on know, money in July. I'm going to teach you on money in July. This is a topic that I have to teach every month. Every, sorry, every month. Can't teach on it every month. Every year. Once every year. Teach on money. Is it, this generation is very important. Hard work. Yes, hard work. You know, the blessings of God. Supernatural increase. But then contentment. Whatever you are able to have is good. Amen. Are we together? Whatever you are able to have is good. Some people, it is actually, let's be honest with ourselves. Sometimes, see, agreed. The grass can be greener on the other side, but sometimes it is it is lack of contentment. Sometimes you need to worry enough to your to say, I don't need to go anywhere. I'm actually doing okay here. Sometimes you need to be genuine enough with yourself to have that discussion. Sometimes God is not sending you anywhere. The dream you are having is not from God. It's not God that showed you that dream. It is your mind that showed you the dream. The same you just scroll through Instagram. You are looking at all those people that travel out, kind of car they are riding, and you now sleep. What do you think you will see? Before I'm coming, I say I saw that you know I saw I just saw a passport in front of me, and I saw visa stamped on top of it. <laughs> what will you see before? What will you see? Is that like the one that says that I'm, I've been having sex in, in my dream, and what before you slept, you always watch smart across, and you say that it's no good issue. It's no good delay. Amen. It's you. Are we together, guys? It's simply that it's you. Amen. So, our perspective towards people must be following what God's word says. A brother in the church who is not doing well financially is no less than another brother who is doing well financially. Because in Christ Jesus, they are one and the same. 
Are we together? In terms of the inestimable riches in Christ Jesus that they both have, that millions of naira that the rich brother has is nothing. Are we together, guys? In light of the gospel, his money is nothing. Are we together? So that you know, ah, this brother, you know, cannot be whenever probably the brother came late to church, you can't collect him. Because you know, if you don't collect him, parent, Christ will feel it. And I'm at to some rent in two weeks' time. I cannot correct anybody right now. But I have sorrent for I'll not miss him and say, ah, brother. now. And then by the way, the brother just says, ah, sorry, because of some meetings and stuff like that. I understand. I understand. But then the other brother, <laughs> the other brother, you say, maybe the other brother in fact was in evangelism yesterday. He was in setup overnight. Do you understand? Know he slept very late and I came late in the morning. Why did you come late? What do you say? So you say, sir, I was tired. See, the work of the Lord is beyond all of this. The Lord sits there. It's not this deep. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. <laughs> Amen. In Christ Jesus, we are one and the same. Glory to God. Whether rich or whether this thing, all of you sit there in one place. Amen. I hold your hands together. Say we are one. <laughs> we are one. Hallelujah. Whether you're coming from Range Rover or you came down from Kekenape, sit down beside each other. Uh, the same, bro- same brethren. Uh, that's your brethren. <laughs> that's your brethren. That's your brother in Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's it. In Christ, there's no kidney. There's no this thing. You know, let me say something. I- I'm looking forward to days when your employee will be your leader in church. Because it's going to be very interesting dynamic. And if the reason you cannot join any units is because your employee is the you is the leader of that unit, then there's still a lot you don't need. Are we together? Just my point. You must be able to come to church and call your employee sir. Doesn't take anything away from you. Are we together? Amen. Doesn't take anything away from you. Yeah. No. Ah, it's not. It's not possible because of my status in society. Your status in society. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Let's move on. The man without the gospel is sold on that sin. He's a slave to sin. The man without the gospel is a slave to sin. Romans chapter 6, verse 17. Romans 6, 17, and then we read verse 20. Romans chapter 6, verse 17. And then we read from and then we read verse 20. He says, But God defend that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. Are we together? Verse 17. But God pretend that you were servants of sin, that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered unto you. Then verse 20. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. Are we together, guys? I was together, guys. So the man without the gospel is a slave unto sin. He's a slave of sin. And so when you know this also makes you understand why it's it's it is it's ridiculous for you to find for you to find a sinner and tell him and give him rules. Are we together? What the sinner needs is the gospel. Are we together? He is so not that sin. He's a slave to sin. He can't control himself. Are we together, guys? Are we together, guys? That's the truth. Do you realize that that was even the whole point of the law? That was the point of the law. The point of the law was to reveal man's inability to keep himself. That's simply what it is. 
I don't get a lie. That was only what the Lord was. The Lord was so heightened to man the fact that in himself, he can do nothing. He can't be righteous in himself. And that would not make him understand the need for God's righteousness. I wish you had a That's it. The law was never done so that people would do, do what is right or what. We would know what was right and what was wrong. That was not the point of the law. Because before then, people already knew what was right and what was wrong. I wish you had For example, Joseph knew that it was wrong to sleep because he was wife. And that was before the law. The law did not come, come until Moses. But Joseph knew that it was wrong. And Cain knew that it was wrong to kill his brother. Are we together, guys? So the purpose of the law clearly wasn't so that people would know that, oh, this is right and this is what's wrong. No. The purpose of the law was to show to man his inability. Are we together, guys? Was to let man see that, listen, in and of yourself, you are not able to do anything. That's the purpose of the law. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together, guys? So that's it. So, so the man who is an unbeliever is sold under sin. He's a slave to sin. He's a slave. To see, he can't help himself. So when you, so that's why when you meet an unbeliever, when you meet, for example, someone who is, you know, drinking, smoking, and so on and so forth, what the person needs is the gospel. You will still get to the drinking parts. Just give him the gospel. Are we together? Give him the gospel. Let his nature first change. When his nature is changed, then you can begin to give him instructions. I know people, for example, in the Pauline epistles, when you look at the way the epistles were written, you notice that Paul first started from teaching them the word. When he's done teaching. In the ending, he then gives instructions. So instructions come after proper teaching. Are we together, guys? Do you understand me? Instruction comes after the proper teaching of the word. So you must first of all show them who they are in Christ Jesus. You must show them the realities of their redemption, realities of salvation. Then after that, you can then begin to give instructions. Does that make sense, guys? That's it. Instructions come after words. So the first thing, you, when you meet someone, for example, who is a sinner, or a lady who, you meet, you know, the lady who is a sex worker on the road, and you want to preach the gospel to her, your, your, your first, your, this thing should not be, there's even something I wanted to say, but I'm not going to talk about it. Your, your first instinct should not be, ah, this thing you're doing is bad, don't do it again. Chances are she knows it's bad. I went together that. She knows it's bad. You know, I remember someone saying that, you know, that the, um, this, when, you know, when the Bible says that the, the spirit will convince you of righteousness, of sin, and of judgment, Somebody that say the Holy Ghost convicts us of sin. That the Holy Ghost lets us know when we've done something bad, when we've done something wrong. That was rubbish. If the Holy Ghost was there to let us know when we've sinned, we don't need the Holy Ghost. You know why? You know when you sin. With or without the Holy Ghost. Amen? There's a reason why when the arm robber steals, he runs away. Are we together? There's a reason why he steals, he doesn't stand and say, stop. And he say, ah, it's bad now. Eh? You don't mean it. Are we together? The Holy Ghost can't be there for you to know that you sin. No. When he says he convicts you of sin, the, the Bible now explains why he says because they believe not on him. Are we together, guys? Are we together, guys? So it's clear. What the man needs is not a change of character. Another way we always say salvation is not a modification of your life. It's the death coming back to life. Are we together, guys? It's not you becoming a better person. No. That's not what it is. If you think that salvation is about you becoming a better version of yourself, no, that's not it. Salvation is that you you did not exist in Christ. Now you are raised up to life. Are we together, guys? Does that make sense? That's it. That's what it is. So, so when you see a man, for example, who is unsaved, he needs the gospel. He needs to be brought into life. Are we together, guys? He needs to be brought into life because he is a slave of sin. Then when you now brought him into life. When he has become a slave of righteousness, then you can give him instructions to follow. Are we together, guys? Glory to Jesus.
Amen. Look at Romans chapter 8 from verse 5 to 7. Romans chapter 8 from verse 5 to 7. Romans 8 from verse 7. He says, For they that are after the flesh, don't mind the things of the flesh. He says, For they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. He says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So it's not subject to the law of God, and it cannot be. Are we together? It can't. It cannot. So the response must always be the gospel. The gospel of Jesus. The gospel of Jesus, that's it. You meet a man who is in sin, and in the act of sin, what I remember <laughs> when I, I remember one time I was on outreach, and then I met, of course, this one I can't have done it if I was alone. So I was with a couple of my friends, and there was a man who was, you know, with a cigarette in his hand. Do you understand? And I came, I went to meet him. And you know, this already lets you know that this people know that what they are doing is also good. Because I was coming to me, he said, Ah, no, 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 no. And I said, Why? Well, he said, ah, You can't talk to me like this now. Like, ah, the way I am right now, you can't talk to me. I said, no. I said, you can be smoking like this and do poop in my mouth. I don't care. Hear me first. Hallelujah. You, you must have so much trust and confidence in the gospel like that. The gospel will change you. So what that lets you see is that the man knew that what he was doing was bad. So what that man needs is not for me to tell him, ah, what you're doing is bad. He already knows. Amen. What he needs is the gospel. The gospel of the Lord Jesus. Are we together, guys? That's it. That's it, the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Had a night like that in Mozambique, Moves on campus. I was preaching to a particular lady, and in front of me, she brought out Shinaps. Was it Shinaps? I remember it was in this thing. One I called Strong One. It's not the only one. Good one. You know the one that the, the bottle is transparent. So you know that this one is not one, Shirishi. Brought it out from under the kidney, and in front of me, she poured up. You know? And you know when you are talking, but you are looking like, ah, is this happening? Is this really happening? And in front of me, oh, Gego. You know, Gego. She took it upon herself, <laughs> drank it in front of me, and I did not stop. I continued. Jesus loves you. He died for you. Hallelujah. He died for you. Listen. Now, the woman, now, on my, she, I have a contact on my WhatsApp status. Is anybody saying glory to God on my WhatsApp status now? Amen. Hallelujah. No, you need to realize there is no. See, I have so much faith in the gospel. There is nobody the gospel can change. Are we together, guys? There is nobody the gospel cannot change. Amen. Say, ah, you don't know my past. <laughs> you don't know your future either. I can tell you a future that will blow your mind in Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Don't be worse than poor. Can you be worse than poor? Come be now. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. So that's what the believer, that's what the man, or oh, that's what the believer was before the gospel. He was so sin. A slave of sin. So he could not help himself. Hallelujah. He was blind. He was dead. Glory to Jesus. That's who you were. That's who you were. So you're walking around of the truth. You have friends. You know, you probably you know, thought you were having a nice life. But guess what? You were dead. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. That's the past tense of the new creation. Glory to Jesus. Amen. See, I was dead. I was dead in sin. But now I'm alive unto God. I'm alive unto righteousness. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so when you see all these things, you now begin to understand the importance or the importance of the prophecies that were given in the Old Testament concerning salvation. Look at Ezekiel 36 from verse 25 to 27. Ezekiel 36 from verse 25 to 27. 
He says, then will, then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you. He says, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Are we together, guys? So he says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean. So it's not your it's not your work to make yourself clean. You come to me as you are, I make you clean. Are we together, guys? See, so that's the reason why it's an anomaly. You know, you, you see people, you know, they tend to preach the gospel to them or something. They tend to come to church and they say, ah, I'm a bad guy. That's the reason you should come. Amen. Yeah, the church is not for people like you. No, church is exactly for people like you. It's for people like you, in fact, that we have church. Hallelujah. Because church will change you. Hallelujah. It's an anomaly to say, ah, that person is so sinful. No, no, no. Hallelujah. It is exactly for a man like that that Christ died. For the vilest of offenders. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. That's it. So, the, 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 you know, the, 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 you hear the gospel as some people preach. If you are still lying, if you are stealing, you are wearing with one. You are wearing trouser. So, where is the gospel in all of this? Where is the gospel that you said? Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. That's not, that's, that's not, the gospel is simple. Christ died, was buried, and rose again for your sins. Believe, and you are forgiven. Are we together, guys? That's simply the gospel. Amen. If you like, say every other thing, but don't say that. You've wasted your time. Glory to Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. So, from this, you can see that man's problem is not external, it's internal. And so by the time God was going to promise what he was going to provide, it had to be an internal compass. Are we together? What you need is not another set of laws. It's not, don't do this again. Clearly, you always know you shouldn't do this, but you still did it. Rather, what will happen is that the issue is your heart. So I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you'll be clean. And I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh. I'll put a new spirit within you. Hallelujah. Then that spirit will now cause you to walk in my statutes and to do them. So it's going to be an internal compass. Are we together, guys? Look at Jeremiah 31 from verse 3 to 34. Jeremiah 31 from verse 3 to 34. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 31 from verse 3 to 34. He says, For this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, said the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. He says, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, said the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. Hallelujah. He says, I will write my law in their inward parts. I'm not going to write it on tablets of stone like before. Hallelujah. It's not going to be external things like before. No. The law will be written in their inward parts, in their hearts. And we together. And so they will now, they will, they will walk after my laws. And that's why it says that, you no, know, and it shall not be said any, um, from any man to his neighbor, saying, No, the law, for they shall all know me. Meaning their hearts will long after me. You know what this part is not saying here is that, you know, there, there will not be any teacher. That's not what it's saying. Alright? In fact, the reason why he cannot say it is because this itself, because some people have said that when he says that, you know, um, they, shall not teach, they shall not teach no more, every man is neighbor, and any man is brother saying no to the Lord. So people say, like, can you see? The Bible already says that as in the new creation, in the new covenant, you know, we are not going to teach, there's not going to be teaching anymore. All of us will know God for ourselves. 
So you just carry the Bible and you read it and you understand it and stuff like that. First of all, let me start by saying this. That mindset that you have, you were taught by the Bible. Amen? And you telling me right now is you trying to teach me so that I will do what you are saying. So if I'm supposed to follow what you said, I should listen to you. Amen? Is that clear? Are we together? So if you trying to tell me that I'm not supposed to need a teacher, you are trying to teach me. Are we together? So that's counterproductive. If, if of a truth, we're not supposed to have teachers. We're supposed to just know. The ones you have to only go, she just know, I don't need a teacher. Are we together, guys? The fact that somebody has to tell you that because the Bible says you don't need a teacher, so you don't need a teacher, you're already trying to teach me. So I'm not going to agree. <laughs> so in fact, I need a teacher. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Are we together, guys? That's it. Is that simple? It's just common sense. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Say, I have the Holy Ghost. I have the Holy Ghost. I have the Spirit of God in me. I have an internal compass in me. By the power of God's Spirit, I do what is right. By the power of the Holy Ghost, I am a man that yearns after the will of God. That's my heartbeat. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. That's the habit of the new creation. That's the habit of the new creation. And you see, when you talk to people that are believers, it must show that you believe that that's that you're saying, what you're saying. It must show that you believe it. So that's the reason, for example, when I talk to my folks, for example, or I talk to some sometimes when probably they have an inconsistency, and I tell them that when they are done, I tell them that you have the right to God in Christ Jesus. But I say things like, I believe in you, you're a man of God. Things like that. I'm not saying it to cite them, I'm saying it because that's the truth. Hallelujah. And do sometimes I don't feel like it when I'm saying it to them. Sometimes keep that in my mind, I'm feeling bad. Like what ah, after everything I'm teaching you for God's sakes. You still went to God, you still went ahead to do this. Deep down, I'm feeling that way. But guess what? I still decide to say what God's word says about them. Hallelujah. Because listen, God's word matters more than my feelings. You know, a lot of times it's easier for us to agree to deceive ourselves. Because sometimes we have more grace on ourselves than we have for others. Are we together? So when, for example, you tell a lie, you feel bad, but you're like, I'm ready to go to Christ Jesus. And then you move on. But then somebody else that tells a lie, and you say, why would you tell a lie? You really forget that the grace of God that is made available for you is also made available for you. Are we together, guys? Do you understand me? So you must be able to also look at the person and say, listen to me. Once you do that the truth is bad, I should not do it anymore. But listen to me, that the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Are we together, guys? The right of God in Christ Jesus. And I choose to say what God's word says about you. Above what I feel. That's the voice of faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Let's move on. Let's talk about the sacrifice of Jesus. Let's talk about the sacrifice of Jesus. You know, as we talk about what God has done for so we looked at the past tense of the new creation. And that is referring to, you know, who we were. Who we were. So what we want to look at right now is the sacrifice of Jesus that has made us who we are. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Amen. You know, there are going to be times, let me just say, there are going to be times when, when I listen to God's word, I'm going to get excited, I'm going to jump. And some other times when I listen to God's word, can I get tired? Genuinely. Hallelujah. But guess what? To persevere. Glory to God. You know, when Paul was speaking in 2nd Moses 15, where he says, Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The word study there is the Greek word spodazo. Are we together? It means to be diligent. Be diligent to present yourself as a fruit of God. A workman, and in the word workman there is the Greek word egasis, E-R-G-A-T-E-S. He refers to a paid laborer. Are we together, guys? Someone that is paid to work. 
So meaning that when it comes to, I'm sure you know that as a paid laborer, when you are paid to work, it's not every time you feel like working. Ah, particularly this week for me, I did not feel like working. Ah, no, 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 no. This week was something else. I was, every day was like, God. As a boy, I was asking, why, why, why do I have to work? I was asking myself, like, I'm sure, I was asking people questions like that. Now, I feel like work is just a social construct. It's just a social construct. It's a way to put us under the shackles of, under the shackles of capitalism. Why do I have to work? I mean, I didn't even decide to have this life. I was all born without knowing. And then, after giving it to me, you now suddenly tell me that my future is in my hands. Did I ask for it? So now, so wait. You born me, you gave it to me, I didn't have a ch- choice. But if I fail, I'm the, I'm pregnant with bad. I know now. That equation is not balanced at all. No, no, no. If I fail, it will also be your fault. Because when when I was giving it to I didn't have, you didn't ask for my opinion. Just my point. It was not bad. But guess what? I showed up every day. <laughs> showed up every day. And not because I like the work. Or maybe not necessarily because I like the work. But because the money is important. <laughs> you say, ah, man of God, money? Yes. Yes. The money. <laughs> but also because I have a responsibility. And I'm a responsible believer. Hallelujah. My responsible believer is not just in the gospel that I'm serious. I'm serious in my work. Hallelujah. Very serious in my work. I don't joke with my work. I don't at all. In fact, let me tell you one thing that might shock you. I don't pray in tongues when I'm supposed to be working. I walk. Unless there's a stay in my heart to talk in tongues at certain points of time, and I do. And guess what? I'm not going to be in a work meeting. And as I'm in a work meeting, as I'm talking, I just stop. I say, excuse me, I have to leave. Sure, what is working? <laughs> sure, what will give you job? Well, they are giving you job already. So just continue that job they are giving you. <laughs> are we together, guys? Amen? So I have to work for. And the point of what I'm going to say is the fact that so, there are not the maturities you learning to do things that you have to do, even when you don't feel like it. One of the things that shows that you are growing up or you are maturing as a believer is delayed gratification. I read together, guys. Your ability to keep your phone away, for example, when you have to pray. Some of us, it's so bad, we cannot move. We press our phone every 10 minutes. You know, it's so bad for some of us that we're not doing anything on the phone. That's to show you how addicted you are. You just have to check like this. That's how bad this is. Like, it's not like you got a notification or anything. You just are so used to pressing your phone that your brain sends a response to your hand. And so you don't have to do it. Let me even tell you how bad it is for some of us. A lot of times we pick up our phone, we open it, and then we don't know what it's supposed to do. That's to let you know how bad our attention span has become. You don't even know. So now you pick up your phone, and you already know what you're supposed to do, then you don't make me open an app. Maybe you're supposed to do a transfer. Then you just click on Instagram. You forget that those video transfer. Then you not scroll. Then you not you not forgot. You not put down your phone. Then you not remember. Oh, of those video transfer. Of those video transfer. Attention span is gone. Now imagine. Now that's even with your phone. Now imagine how bad it is with your Bible. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's why I said something to folks in Ife. And I said, see, long hours of meetings for us in this generation is not just, it's not a plus. It's a war strategy. Our minds have been engineered in such a way that it's impossible to keep a thought in our minds for an extended period of time. And this is not just limited to the gospel, anything. We have a very short attention span. Even in terms of user experience, I mean, user experience designer, for example, a product designer, is one of the things that we talk about that users have a very short attention span. And over the years, it has even gotten less. So, that, and we use that in our design. So, we say, for example, things like this. You want your users to be able to see the most important thing on the screen in five seconds. Once they get on the screen, they will be able to see it. If they don't see it, they are moving away. 
Are we together? So it's, it's not something I'm just saying. It is so documented. We use it in, we actually use it in technology. Do you understand my point, guys? So that's how bad it is. So imagine that the average person is engineered so, so much so that you can't hold on to a thought for long. And imagine the irony that the way you are a doer of the word is that the word of God must stay in your mind long enough for you to develop roots. But then, we all have short attention span. So how will the world develop roots? So now you need to understand that. So when we have long meetings where we are either praying or we are studying God's word for long, you must understand it's not just we trying to be extra. It's a strategy. It's a sort of mechanism to re-engineer your mind. Are we together, guys? Let me also tell you why the same you that claims that four months is too long to hear God's word. The same you can binge watch a series, though. In fact, sometimes two series. I've never understood that in my life, to be honest, because I'm not really a very big movie fan. But you see someone, they'll tell you that they finished an entire series, not just like series one. Like they can finish like five series. Like they'll finish series one, like they'll finish, eh, now, um, how do you call it? Seasons, thank you. They'll finish season one, season two, season three, season four, season five in one day. Or maybe like, they'll just see it like that. I've never, there's a grace for it, I don't have it. I'm genuinely, I don't. Any movie that is already more than like, you're passing 30 for five minutes. Sorry. <laughs> it's just, God gave me that grace. I will, uh, it's just, uh, I'll just, I'm trying to think that I was abnormal. Until I realized that my apostles also had the same grace. Ah, see, see, this thing flows in us. Yeah, it's, uh, it's together. It flows down from there down. Just that. So once I look at series, movie, anything I'm looking at, there's only more than 30 minutes. Do you understand? Even games. I don't know. Like I really, I genuinely wish that I knew that there were games I could play. I don't. I don't like. <laughs> you don't also know what something that I did very ridiculously. I spent money. Any Asha? Box PS5. That is thing everybody I don't play. I must play it. <laughs> I don't think since when I bought this thing. I think I bought it now. Probably about three months now. I don't, I've not played up to four games on it. I've not played up to four. My mother was not here. He said, two. I've never played up to He said, okay, it's two that I played away. Two. My mother was not here how much I bought <laughs> She wasn't how much I bought her. Stop playing. I don't know why. She said, well, let's take this thing and let me go in. Let's just go. I went together, guys. You know, now, of course, playing games is not bad. Seeing a movie when you want to, to have fun, stuff like that is not bad. But the point of it is just this. Those things attest to the fact that if you can spend God's, you can spend time on doing those things, you can spend time on God's word. Are we together, guys? Are you with me, guys? So you must understand that long hours, of, particularly in this generation, when I say this, I mean this generation, eh? long hours of prayer, long hours of teaching, long hours of evangelism, any spiritual activity that is given long hours is a strategy you take it seriously. Are we together, guys? It's your opportunity to re-engineer your mind. Amen. Some of us is even we cannot even focus on work for one hour. We can't. We can't focus on work for one hour. You know, I'm, I'm wondering why. What agreed? A nine to five can be very boring. I'm not arguing that. Having to go to work in the morning, come back in the evening, can be boring. But our parents did it and they didn't die. Amen. Have you ever sat down and wondered how their parents did this thing for twenty years or twenty five years? How come? What is it about them that we don't have? That after two years is intolerable. And agreed, we can say that of course there are certain conditions that are different now than before. Things are a lot more expensive than before. Um, traffic is a lot worse than before and stuff like that. But let's even talk about the actual job itself. Like the actual job. 
or being able to go to the office, stay there, work, and stuff like that. You just have terrible attention span. So many distractions. Some of us, the times we send memes the most is in the office. The most is the office. If I want to say I'm sending memes, ah, over office. You be shallow Because that's your work now. So send memes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Alright, let's continue. So I just said everything I said to just say that. So let's exercise yourself towards spiritual things. Alright? Let's exercise yourself. Don't be so quick to just give up on them when you don't feel like it. Are we together? Let's exercise yourself towards spiritual things. Alright? Let's give yourself to. I mean, for example, our teaching business here is once a month. Or better still, twice a month. Alright? But once a month, for example, in Lagos, once a month in Lafayette. Are we together? So just learn to give yourself to it. Are we together? When we say it's time to pray, just pray. Amen? Just pray. Say, ah, I'll die. Die. No problem. We'll wake you up. And you continue praying. Amen. <laughs> Amen. The first time I prayed, the first time I was in the 24 hour prayer meeting. I can't say I prayed 24 hours. But the first time I was, you know, you know there are two different things. First time I was in the 24 hour prayer meeting, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> My tongues had finished. There was no more tongues left. <laughs> I saw visions, I saw I saw angels, I saw demons, I saw I saw different kinds of things. Hallelujah. But you know the, always the irony of those prayer meetings. You mentioned your door, there's energy. And when you're done, where did this energy come from? All of a sudden, it lets you know that it's not that you were tired. Amen? You just were not disciplined. Glory <laughs> to Jesus. You just were not disciplined. That's only what it is. Alright, so yeah. Amen. So let's continue. Let's continue. So the sacrifice of Jesus. Okay. So I already explained to you before, of course, how that when we see Jesus come to the world, alright, he came to the world not to make people rich, not to get people healed. He came to the world simply to save men from their sins. Are we together, guys? Are we together, guys? Alright. And so, what is it or how exactly did he do that? Open your Bible to Mark 16. From verse 20 to 21. I want to show you something very interesting. Mark 16 from verse 20 to 21. Mark 16. Oh, sorry, Matthew 16. Matthew 16 from verse 20 to 21. Oh. Matthew 16, 20 to 21. Hallelujah. Matthew 16, 20 to 21. Are we together? Alright, so it says, Then he charged his disciples that they should tell no man that it was Jesus the Christ. And from that time, for Jesus began to show unto his disciples that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Are we together, guys? Are we together? So look at verse 20. He first tells them, he says, then he charged his disciples that they should tell no man that it was Jesus the Christ. Are we together? Notice, he didn't say, don't tell any man that I am Jesus Christ. He says, tell no man that I am Jesus the Christ. What this means is that Christ was not a son. You know, a lot of us think that Jesus' name is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the first name, Christ is, is the last name. If you always, if you thought about that before, let me see answer. Don't lie. Hallelujah. No. His last name would have been whatever name Joseph had. Are we together, guys? So, the word Christ is not a name. It's actually a position. Because the word Christ there is the Greek, is the Greek word Christos. It means Messiah. But it means the anointed one. Are we together, guys? In fact, according to Jewish customs, right, um, and, you, know, you can do a bit of research on this, the, the rulers were also sometimes called the Christ. Are we together? So, for example, I think Pontius Pilate, either Pontius Pilate or Julius Caesar, I can't remember one of them, was actually also called the Christ at some point. Are we together? Because it's actually used for like a king. 
someone in authority. Which also explains why the disciples at some point were expecting Jesus to take over. You are the Messiah now. Do you understand? You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. So meaning you're a ruler. So that's why they asked him, you know, you know, before now, you've been doing miracles, we did not talk. You've been doing this thing. Then you now died. Then you now rose again. Sir, when will the kingdom be restored? You know, when will the kingdom be restored to Israel? <laughs> and then you know what I'm it's not unto you to know the times that the Father has committed in his hands. He says, but you shall receive power. <laughs> After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. Sir, we are telling you about political killing. You are saying witnesses. Which one are you doing? She says, go and preach. Go and preach the gospel. Amen? Are we together, guys? So look at that. So he says, tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. And so the next statement he's going to make, from verse 21, has a lot to do with the fact that he's the Messiah. Are we together, guys? So he now goes in verse 21. From that time forth, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and be raised again the third day. Meaning that Jesus' messianic role would have to do with his death and resurrection. Are we together, guys? Because having just told them that don't tell any man I'm Jesus the Christ, he now began to explain to them that, listen, because of this, I will go to Jerusalem. I will be, you know, I will suffer many things of the scribes and the Pharisees. Are we together, guys? And afterwards, what will happen? I will be killed and I will be raised the third day. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together, guys? So in trying to understand Jesus' role as the Christ, we must understand within the context of his death, burial, and resurrection. Are we together, guys? Does that make sense? In understanding Jesus as the Christ, of course, the miracles he did on the earth were nice. You know, he was a good man. He was the son of a carpenter. Are we together? He was probably his, I don't think he was his mom's favorite. I don't think he would have been, to be honest. Because <laughs> even if he was his mom's favorite before, that day when his mom came to visit him while he was preaching, and then they said, and then they said that your mom is outside. And, and then Jesus says, he says, who is my brethren? Who is my mother? Is it not this? And then at that day, Jesus would not have eaten at home. It's not possible. You can't even this to my own mother and say he wants to eat at home. But of a few truth sometimes. So, no, look at this too. Jesus is teaching. You come around. You now go and tell them that. Tell him that mommy is around. Sorry, mommy, are you too big for the word of life? You to enter the enter the this thing. The best we can even do for you are fire mommy Gio, mommy the Lord. We'll bring you to the front. That mommy, there's seats for you. Do you understand? Mommy, sit down. But she, you now want us to stop someone because you are waiting outside. Amen. So now let Jesus about to sorry, you're no more. Uh, mommy, don't forget to even though you're mommy, I created you. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. The word of God's experience so was looked to when they were looking for Jesus. You know? And then they met him in the temple. And I feel like Jesus at that point had to like look at them like, like that's cute. Jesus are like, oh, that's so nice. But like, you people should not forget. You know? And so Jesus, he's not just to say something like that. Maybe, oh, sorry about that, but you know, you know the work of the Lord and stuff like that. Jesus says, <laughs> he says, don't you know I'll be about my father's business? I can imagine how Joseph would have felt. Joseph would have been so annoyed. Joseph would have been like, this is what we're talking about. This is what we're saying. Eh? If you know you want to follow another father, follow another father. What's this? You know, he said, Joseph, ah, are you looking for me? Don't you know I'll be around my father's business? More like, ah, people should give yourself brain, you know? Like, I know that I've been doing your child before, but ah, I'm a man of God. You know? Amen? Hallelujah. So, we need to understand, so if you want to understand Jesus' role as the Christ, we must understand within the context of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Does that make sense, guys? So let's go into his death. So why did Jesus die on the cross? 
Why did Jesus die on the cross? You see, let me start by saying this. Every event of the gospel is a very crucial event. It's a very important event. Every event of the gospel is a very important event. And so you must pay attention to it. There was nothing that was done by mistake. Nothing. 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 You know, Jesus was, you know, it was said of Jesus that, behold, I come in the volume of the books. And what that means is that he came as the fulfillment of prophecies. Of the prophecies of the Old Testament. Is it not interesting that the prophecies concerning Jesus were so specific that in fact there were prophecies as regards the type of tomb he would die in or he would be buried in? There was a prophecy by Isaiah that he would be buried in the tomb of the rich. Are we together, guys? So there were prophecies up to that detail. What I let you know is that there was a significance to the details of his death, burial, and resurrection. Are we together, guys? Are we together? And so, in order to understand the effectiveness, and also because you see, since we say that Jesus' death, death, burial, and resurrection was for us, what that would mean is that the implication of those things will also be for us. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? So, if of the truth he died, he was buried, and he rose again for us, by we understanding the implication of those activities, we will understand better what he has done for us. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? All right, so let's look at that together. Look at Galatians 3 and verse 13. Or Galatians 3 from verse 10. Galatians 3 from verse 10 to verse 13. And I was going to think that I might actually finish my book. Galatians 3 from verse 10 to verse 13. Are we, are we together, guys? Galatians 3 from verse 10 to 13. Are we there? I'm going to be reading together, actually. Galatians 3, 10 to 13. We read together. Are you there? Are we, are we there? So everybody, let's do together one to go. For as many as of the works of the law are under the course, for it is written, course is everyone that continues not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ has redeemed us from the cause of the world, being made a cause for us, for it is written, cause is everyone that hangeth on the tree. Hallelujah. Let me start from saying this. Look at what it says. He says, For as many as are of the works of the law under the cause, for it is written, cause is everyone that continues not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Are we together, guys? Are we together, guys? Now, look at how terrible this is. He says, Cause is, he says, Cause is the one who does not continue in all the works of the law. Just to, just to put it clear for you, I have heard the works of the law. For example, the law that is spoken about is not the Ten Commandments. Are we together? Guys? Let me give you a good reason why. Why it can't be the Ten Commandments? You know, it's not about the cause of the law. The cause of the law simply refers to the punishments for the law. Meaning, if you don't do it, there's a punishment for you. Are we together, guys? Does that make sense? Now, taking the Ten Commandments, was there any punishment for the Ten, in the ten Commandments? Just thinking. In the Ten Commandments, but let me answer it for you. There was no, there was no punishment. The Ten Commandments was just, thou shalt do this, thou shalt do this, thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do this. There was actually no punishment for not doing it. It was actually after the Ten Commandments were given and the laws were being given that you then begin to see punishment for everything that you don't do. Are we together, guys? Do you understand me? And in fact, I dare say, I remember, I, 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 I can't remember if I did a teaching or I can't remember where. I think I've done the teaching on this, but I can't remember where exactly. But you see, when we refer to the, um, what's the word now? When we refer to the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments are actually a declaration of the Gospel, but in the Old Testament form. Let's write that down. Let's write it down. Probably we'll talk about it. I'm going to be teaching on, in Carizo Bible Conference this year, that was in June, 
All right, Carrizo Bike Conference this year, we're going to have it in Lagos and Leith, just like last year. All right, so in Lagos, we'll be having a, it's a six-hour conference in Lagos, and then in Leith, it's going to be an eight-hour conference. All right, I'll be teaching on, on the gospel. I'm going to really explore, and I, I think I'll be doing that exploration. Okay, I'll be doing this in Leith. In Lagos, we'll be exploring more about the gospel through the book of Acts. First of all, the gospel and the implication of the gospel. Then look at the gospel through the book of Acts. And then if we have time, we'll probably begin to talk about the foundation of the gospel in the Old Testament. And then in Ilefe, we'll, teach, we'll talk about the... I hope we have time, because last year showed us that we didn't have any time. But we'll try to talk about the validity of the gospel. Talking about the validity of the resurrection outside the Bible. Are we together? I hope you know that you can actually argue the existence of the man Jesus upon the earth without the Bible. Are we together, guys? That's as if Pisces is an intelligent speech. You can argue it without the Bible. Are we together? We can use extra canonical references to show that the man Jesus lived on the earth. Are we together, guys? And also, we can also prove through details that we're giving surrounding the resurrection that the resurrection happened. Are we together, guys? So we're going to do that in the lay fair. We'll talk about that. Then we'll now explore the gospel in the Old Testament. I don't know how, I don't know where we are going to lose in that place. Because we lost. That's for sure. But the point where we now lost is where I don't know. Because if we are supposed to explore the gospel in Genesis alone, we can't finish it. I'm promising you, gospel in Genesis alone. We can't finish it. Even if we did a series for six months, we can't finish gospel in Genesis. I'm telling you. And it's not even me trying to sound this thing. It's just the truth. Just by exploring Adam, by exploring particularly that, that period between Adam and Abraham. Those that sons of men period, that sons of God and daughters of men period, Noah and the likes, that part is we lost you. Do you understand? Then, by the time you talk about that, before you explore Abraham, before you explore um, Jacob, Isaac, you know, those people in Genesis, you don't talk about Moses, you don't talk about Moses until Exodus. I don't realize. So, even down to Joseph, you know, you are still in Genesis. Do you understand me? So, so I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to do what we can do. I we together, guys. So just prepare your hearts. There is a Bible conference. All right. So just prepare your hearts for that. Okay. So I, so what, what, the reason I'm saying that is because there are some details I'm not going to cover in this teaching. All right. Because we don't have so much time. But I'll try to be more elaborate in the Bible conference. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right. So that, and also please let me just say that for the Bible conference, I really want to employ you. If you have people that have questions, let them come. I wish together. If you have people that have questions, all right? If you have people that have questions, let them come. It's very, very important. The purpose of Bible conference is actually two things. Number one is that it's supposed to equip believers to become much more effective in their Bible study. Are we together? But it's also so that questions can be answered. Are we together? So there's a reason why the Bible conference will naturally, we will go into details that we normally will not go into in our normal Bible teaching. It's because there's a purpose for the conference. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? So if you have friends, for example, who are struggling with one thing or the other, just tell them to come around. And luckily, I think I'm also going to try my best possible to make out some time for questions and answers, all right, in the conference. So we'll have time to ask questions. We'll just ask questions and then we'll try to give answers. Are we together, guys? Does that make sense? So please keep that in mind. All right, so let's just move on. So, so in Galatians 3, what you realize, for example, is that it talks about the cause of the law. And then it tells you that if you are not able to fulfill everything in the laws, you're under the cause. Under the cause. And so, you need to realize, this, just to give you a number, the, the number of laws that we actually have is about a little over 600. And so when you hear that someone says, you're supposed to fulfill all 600, or, or you're under a cost, you just say, just put me under the cost already. Do you understand? There's no point trying to, there's no point me trying to try. Just let me cuckoo know. And here's where it gets crazy. You fail in one, you fail in all. <laughs> you fail in one, you fail in all. So it's not that, you know, you're going to number 242. 
And I said, well, try and for the three. You know made a mistake. You know, say, ah, it's just this one now. Let me move on. Can't move on. There's no moving on. You go back. Hello. It's me. You know, come back. Start all over again. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. So that's it. So he talks about the cause of the law. But now, let me say something very important. You know, a lot of times we talk about the cause of the law. You see, there's a reason why you must not stay to yourself because it's not your own. It's called stealing. You know, there's something that a lot of Christians like to do. We like to steal, particularly in the Bible. We like to take things that are not our own. A very good example, the law. Amen. What do you mean? The law is not yours. The law actually was not given to you. Romans 3, let's go there. Romans 3. Sorry, I'm looking at me. Ah, what are you saying? Yes. The law is not yours. Romans 3 from verse 1 to 2. Are we, are we together, guys? Are we together? Please go there, please go there. Romans 3 from verse 1 to 2. Romans 3 from verse 1 to 2. He says, what, what advantage then has the Jew? Or what profit is there of the circumcision? He says, much in every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the words. So, who were the oracles of God committed to? Look at it now. He answers it. The who? The who? What are the oracles of God? The law. That, the content of Romans, for example, you see, I, I think God help us. There's so much to study here. I don't even know where to start from. The context of the book of Romans was to show, for example, the initial part was to show how that everybody is sold on that sin. And Paul, Paul is an excellent writer. Paul did that so that, so what Paul first did, he said from Romans 1, all right, he says, I'm indebtable to the Jews and to the Greeks, all right, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, but Paul got unto salvation. Then now begins to start in Romans 1. He says, for, for the, for, for the, um, for the unrighteousness, that, for the righteousness of God is revealed against all ungodliness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And what he was doing in Romans one was to try to show that the Gentiles actually have no excuse because from the invisible, from the visible things of the world, the invisible things about God are clearly seen. Are we together, guys? So we're trying to show from Romans one that even for people who did not have the law, their conscience was a law unto them. Are we together, guys? That just by seeing from the world, they are able to know that there is a God, and their conscience tells them the right and the wrong thing to do. Are we together, guys? Do you understand me? I'm going to explore that verse a bit more in, in Carizo Bible Conference. Let me just say something that people, that might just get you reasoning. You know, times, you know, we're always quick to talk about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so on and so forth. What right did Abraham have to believe that he knew God compared to the rest of his household? Because just to put things to you clearly, Abraham did not have a pastor. Abraham, so let me clarify some things. Abraham, first of all, did not have a pastor. Abraham was not a Christian. There was no Christian then. <laughs> Jesus Christ of America. Are we together? Abraham was born of a family of pagans. Are we together? So, chances are, it's not even chances are, he would have been committing idolatry. Amen? Are we together, guys? Are we together? How did Abraham know God? And better still, when God appeared to him, how was he sure that it was the real God? What monopoly did Abraham have over every other person that was also an idol worshiper? And that one, God, God is saying, we'll come back to it in the Bible conference. <laughs> so, so, don't miss KBC. That's, what, that's actually where we are going to start from. God helping me. That's where we start from in KBC later. That's, that's the beginning of our teaching. I also gave them that question. <laughs> I, what was that? I think I, it was in one of our disciple uh, teachings. I, asked, I know I've asked the question before in one of our teachings where I said, What monopoly did Abraham have? 
How did he know that this is the true God? Let's, let me also tell you something that very interesting. I hope you realize also that Abraham's parents were pilgrims. Are we together? So it wasn't a new thing that Abraham was leaving his house for a place that God would show him. In fact, let me tell you something that will shock you. Genesis, is it Genesis 11? Before we hear about Abraham, in the previous chapter, his father, whose name was Haran, was actually going to Canaan. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Because, you see, you need to also answer the question. People that have not heard the gospel, you know, it's one thing to hear the gospel and refuse it. What happens to people that have not heard the gospel at all? Or all of them heard? Ah. <laughs> what kind of a God would that be? I mean, to be fair, if God decides that that's how he wants to be, there's nothing we can say. Or nothing we can do, to be honest. Do you understand my point? But from our understanding of God, God is a just God. Are we together, guys? He's a just God, meaning that he cannot be faulted for anything he does. Are we together, guys? Does that make sense? So, for people who have not heard the gospel, who did not have the opportunity to reject the gospel, how are they judged? Is it? By the conscience of our hearts. Is it that simple? The the answer is around that, Sha, but there's still more to it. Let me just, this is a little tip that might help you. Paul goes to Athens in Greece in Acts 17. When he got there, they had so many gods, but then they had a particular one. And it was to the unknown God. And Paul man gets on the scene and says, That God whom you ignorantly worship, he says, I declare unto you. That phrase that he just said there is a very terrible thing. Notice that Paul did not say, There is another God, though, aside this God that you don't know of, I'm declaring it to you, so unto you. He says, The God whom you ignorantly worship, meaning you are correct. You are worshipping that God, but you worshipping him ignorantly. He says, that's the God I declare unto you. He now gave another interesting phrase. He says, the times of ignorance, God had winked that. Meaning there was genuinely a time of ignorance, but God winked that it. Are we together? But now, God has now decided that now, in his son, every man will be saved. Amen? Some of you are like, is that going to help? Or that's more confusing? I don't even know. Anyone? <laughs> See, my body doesn't work. Hallelujah. You know, ah, glory to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Someone important to spend their time on. It's not argument on Twitter. You know, you cannot be busy with something like this and you have time for some certain kind of arguments. Genuinely. No, this is not to say that it's a bad thing to be arguing to say things on Twitter or something. But I, I just genuinely believe that there are certain times when you know you don't have strength. You know, you can't be preparing for KBC now, and you will not get on Twitter to have to say, I do have strength, we are correct. Everybody is correct. We all, <laughs> we all are right. Because at the end of the day, let me just say, at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself what exactly it is you are trying to do. Do you understand? I'm all for helping people understand things and so on and so forth. But sometimes you have to be honest enough to say, anybody who is ready to argue with me on a particular topic in public is most likely not willing to concede. You know, it was said William Lane Craig was also asked that question. William Lane Craig, by the way, is a very um, one of the foremost theologians, all right? Um, the, is one of the foremost Christian apologists and generally theologians. And then he was asked, he said, Have you ever converted any of the people you have arguments with? So he usually has arguments with atheists in public. And he said something. He said, To be honest, when I go for my debates, 
I'm not really trying to get them converted. He said, anybody who can argue in public that there is no God is most likely not willing to change his mind. He said, so when I go for my debate, I actually do it for the people that are watching. Not because of the people I'm arguing with. So if that's your reason why you have those debates on Twitter sometimes, that's fine. But chances that you are somebody that is willing to argue about something in front of millions of people, are we together? He's very likely not willing to concede, even when you have a point. Do you get me? So sometimes you don't have to tell yourself the honest truth. I'm not ready to waste my time. Particularly in my own opinion, I just feel particularly when you're beginning to, you know, God has placed certain people in your hands to focus on. Just focus on them. Amen? It's good to bless people. You know, so by the grace of God, there are times when I have threads and then I post it and then it blesses life and stuff like that. But most of the time, I just have to focus on my people. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. So focus on your work. Do your work. Glory to Jesus. Alright, so let's continue. Uh, where will we Okay, so, so I was showing you about the fact that so the law was given to the Jews. Are we together, guys? Do you understand me? So in the real sense, when we say that I am delivered from the curse of the law, or when scripture says you are delivered from the curse of the law, I hope you know he wasn't talking to Nigerians. You can't have been delivered from the curse of the law because we're now under the law. So can you see what I said? Don't steal what's not your own. Amen? Why are you looking for cause? Why are you looking for cause of Anna? The law is not your own. The law is for the Jews. Are we together? Do you understand me? And so that's why what Paul was trying to do in the book of Romans was to show you that, see, listen, even the Gentiles that don't have the law, their conscience is a law to themselves. And the Jews who have the, who have the law, of course, the law is there to guide them. Are we together? But it now says that even the Gentiles that they have their conscience, he says that they chose not to, not to accept God in their, in their hearts. And that's why he now says in Romans 1, he says that because they've chosen not to receive God in their hearts, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to walk all manner of things in uncleanliness. Are we together, guys? Do you understand me? So, if so, the Gentile sinned against his conscience, the Jew sinned against the law, so everybody is under sin. Do you understand me? So, can you understand why he says, for all are sin and conscious of the glory of God? The all that are sin, he wasn't talking about, oh, so what I know he said, for all that are sin and conscious of the glory. We think what he's saying is, everybody has sin, which to an extent is also correct. Do you understand? The Gentile. You're a Gentile. So the times when you told a lie. But at the end of the day, that all I say in the question of the glory of God is actually not what happens after salvation. It's what happens before salvation. Are we together? In fact, it was what necessitated salvation. Does that make sense, guys? So when he says all have sinned, by context, all as far the Jews have sinned against the law, the Gentiles have sinned against their conscience, then there is the need for a desire. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? Exactly. So when he talks about delivering people from the cause of the law, it's not referring to Gentiles, it's the Jews. Amen. Hallelujah. But now, here's the thing. Were you under sin? Yes, you were. Were you under the curse of the law? No, you were not. Is that clear? Is that clear, guys? Are we together, guys? So, the Gentile was, a, was also a slave under sin because he also had a nature that was affected. Are we together, guys? But listen to me. He was not under the law. Hence, he was not under the curse of the law. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together, guys? Does that make sense? So, what separated the Jew from the Gentile was the law. Was the law. And that's the reason why, for example, there was a sense of superiority that the Jews had over the Gentiles. A very good example, you know, David was standing before the Philistine, was standing before um, Goliath. And then, despite how tall Goliath was, of all of the things about Goliath he could say, what mattered the most to him was that, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that dares to defy the armies of the living God? Meaning, despite everything he saw in Goliath, the only thing that made sense to him was that he was uncircumcised. That was the only way he saw him. <laughs> Do you understand? I'm just a very that's 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 amazing. That despite the fact that you could see a man who was a beast, 
standing in front of him. What matters to him the most is that this man is not circumcised. He's not circumcised after the manner of the Jews. Therefore, he's a dead man walking. Are we together, guys? Exactly. So, the Jews had that superiority complex. Oh, we have God on our side. We have his words. We have the oracles of God. The words of the law. Are we together, guys? Do you understand me? And so, listen, listen. And this is why the work of salvation is extremely brilliant. What Jesus had to do was that he had to, first of all, remove the... the, the, the he had to remove the separating factor between the Jews and the Gentiles so that before God, all will be the same. And so, having made all of them the same, he could now make propitiation for their sins at once. Are you with me? Do you understand me? So, he had to, first of all, and that was the reason why he died on the cross. Remember, cause is anyone who is, who is what? Hung on a tree. So, by him dying on the tree, which, by the way, is also a punishment from the law. I hope you know that to hang a man on a tree is actually from the law. And it's also from the law that cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. So by him dying on the tree, it took the cause of the law. Are we together, guys? So that now, for the Jews who were separated from the Gentiles by the cause of the law, there was no longer any, any more cause of the law. Are we together? So now Jews and Gentiles are now both the same. Sinners, simple. Are you with me? Do you understand me, guys? Look, look at it in Scripture. Look at Colossians 2 and verse 14. Colossians 2 verse 14. Are you being blessed? Colossians 2 and verse 14. Hallelujah. Colossians 2 and verse 14. Colossians 2 and verse 14. He says, Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way leading to the cross. Now, when you see the word ordinances in scripture, a lot of times it used to refer to the laws. Are we together, guys? But now when he says handwriting of ordinances, he already lets you know the book of the law. Are we together, guys? The book of the law. That was the same thing I was talking about in Corinthians 3, when he says that, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. By him talking about the letter, he was talking about what? The book of the law. Writings. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together, guys? So when he says that he blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, the us there will not be referring to you, like the Gentile. It's a Jew. Are we together, guys? So he blotted out the law that was against us, the causes of the law that was against us. He says that was contrary to us, Taking it out of the way, how do you do it? Nailing it to the cross. Are we together, guys? Are you so when you look at the cross, it's really not for the Gentile, it's for the Jew. At the cross above my where your blood was shed for me. Now, anyway, let me look at that too. We're going to see it very soon. Was the blood shed at the cross? Now, let me start from saying this. Was there blood at the cross? Was there blood? Yes, there was. There was. Of course, now. Ah. I this there was blood. I always get out. But was the blood shed on the cross? Was the blood shed on the cross? Blood dropped on the cross, yes. But was the blood, you know when we talk about Jesus shedding blood for sins? Was the blood for sins shed on the cross? Sorry, Hey now, before I call, he is this thing. The blood was shed now. Is it not on the cross? Okay. Let me, let me. It was shed away to the cross. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, now look at this. Let me say something. Let's, let's just take a little step back to the Old Testament. Now, show you know in the Old Testament. The animal is killed in the altar, on the altar courts. Are we together? But where is the blood shed? In the mercy, in the mercy seat, in the oldest of all. Are we together, guys? But at the point where you are killing the animal, his blood coming out. Would that place have been messy? But that blood that was spilled there, does that blood cover for sins at that point in time? 
Where does this cover for sin? Inside the mercy seat, the lowest of all. So, listen now. You, now, now use that to bring it down now to the cross. When Jesus was killed, if Jesus, if after Jesus died on the cross, if that was the end, would there be forgiveness of sin? There can't be. There can't be. I was together, guys. There can't be. Jesus, the sacrifice for sins has to be done in the earliest of all. Does that make sense, guys? Do you understand? And this is why I said you need to be able to differentiate common day language from Bible language. Shedding of blood is different from that somebody was caught and blood appeared. And there was blood, just and blood was flowing. There are two different things. Are we together, guys? The blood shed for sins was done in the earliest of all. Amen. Are we together? You know, I've not said that there was no blood on the cross. You know, I've not said so. Are we together, guys? But the only thing I've said, but the significance of the cross is this that the Gentile is no longer separated from the Jew. Are we together, guys? Go to uh, Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, 11 to 16. Ephesians 2, from verse 11 to verse 16. Hallelujah. For your blood shed on the cross. Hallelujah. Now, I mean, by the way, by all means, you know, I don't... How would I say this now? I usually don't correct those kind of things because, first of all, I, I don't teach in those places. Do you understand? So, like my own is plus genuinely. Ah, I was going to say that it doesn't have a major significance, but it does. It does. First of all, if it is God's word, it has a major significance. Are we together, guys? It's not just semantics, it's the truth. Do you understand me? So, even though the animal was killed in the outer courts, you cannot say, and of course, when you kill an animal, blood has to flow. Do you understand my point? The place will be messy, there will be blood there, but the blood was not shed there. Do you understand my point? The blood is shed in the messy seats. Where blood is sprinkled in the earliest of all upon the mercy. Does that make sense, guys? It's at that point in time that that blood is shed for sins. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? So, the same way with Jesus, even though he died on the cross, and of the truth, we see blood on the cross, and of the truth, the cross is blood stained. If it stopped there, there will be no sacrifice for sins. Are we together, guys? We will just have a Messiah that died. Are we together? The point where um, blood was shed for sins was when Jesus was raised up from the dead and went into the holiest of all to present himself. Does that make sense, guys? Because of a truth, in fact, when he talks about blood, blood was only a typification of his life. Because the Bible says in Leviticus 16 and verse 11 that the life of an animal is in the blood. Are we together, guys? So when you see blood being presented, what he was actually referring to is the life. Are we together, guys? And because, the, and because Jesus is made an eternal sacrifice after the power of an endless life, meaning he is not dead, so he doesn't have to carry a blood in. He is, he is the one that is alive, sustained by the power of God that raised him from the dead. Are we together, guys? And so, as long as that power continues to sustain Jesus alive, Jesus is upon that message forever. Does that make sense, guys? That is the reason we say salvation is eternal. It's that simple. This thing is not algebra. It's not people, it's not a football. You know, people think that when people talk about eternal salvation, people think that people just came up and concocted something. No. If you sit down with salvation enough to understand it, you will arrive at just one point. It has to be eternal. The only way salvation will not be eternal is that God was not involved. Do you understand my point? Because the, the moment salvation became set up to be eternal was the point when it was God that raised up Jesus from the dead. Because the moment God raised up Jesus from the dead, the power to raise him from the dead was the power of an endless life, a power of a life that doesn't end. Do you understand me? The only reason salvation can no longer be eternal is that the, the sacrifice of all the mercy no longer lasts again. Do you? That's the reason, remember, in the Old Testament, they had to come every year. 
because the blood of bulls and goats could only last for a year. Do you get it? So after one year, another blood has to come again. After one year, another blood has to come again. So if now a sacrifice comes around that is sustained by the power of an endless life, never to die again, it just makes sense that there can be no longer sacrifice for sins. Hence, the sacrifice is eternal. Do you get it? Simple. So that's the reason. So when we say salvation is eternal, it's not an addition. Eternal salvation is not an addendum. Salvation is an eternal one. As long as it was the salvation that God gave, it has to be eternal. Do you understand me? If it was not eternal, it's not God that gave it. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Are we together, guys? I ask me what this is. And that's why sometimes I don't bother with some arguments. When I want to believe in it, so salvation is eternal. Because that's the way salvation is. You, know, you didn't enter into salvation, salvation became eternal. Salvation in itself is an eternal package. You come into it, you come into eternal salvation. Do you understand? It's just like the way, for example, there's a governor, and there are certain privileges that you have as a governor. You don't have the privileges because of you. Do you understand me? The day someone who stopped becoming a governor, which should have been a couple of times ago, but the day so anyways, the day he stopped becoming a governor, I went together. Certain privileges stop, not because he hates him, even though some people do. Maybe not me, just for some people. Do you understand me? Even though some people don't like him, some privileges will stop. The day he starts becoming a governor. I hope you know, it's not because they didn't like him, I don't think like stop. Because as a right now, some people still don't like him. I wish together, guys. But he still has the privilege. Because he's the governor. The moment he steps out of that office, what happens? Do you understand my point? And the moment any other person comes into that office, they begin to enjoy the privilege. Not because of them, but because of the office. Does that make sense, guys? So salvation is in itself an eternal package. You come into a salvation that is eternal. Do you understand me? You don't come into salvation and then as a reason of you now joining it, it now becomes eternal. Because people think that it is only people that say that they have eternal salvation that have eternal salvation. No! <laughs> it's our own, all of us together. <laughs> you enter it, you enter an eternal package. Glory to Jesus. That's uh, it. It's an eternal salvation. It's, that's the alcoholic. You don't carry one or the other. You don't carry eternal the salvation. In fact, eternal salvation is tautology. If it is salvation that God gave, it's eternal. Well, the, the writer of Hebrews only called it eternal salvation to describe it to you. Do you understand? He only described it. He says it became the author of eternal salvation. If you read the way the writer of the, way the writer book of Hebrews wrote it, you could tell that the guy was even big. He couldn't call salvation a lot of times without calling it eternal. He used eternal salvation, eternal redemption. He, he was just pointing eternal everywhere. Because he wanted you to know this thing cannot stop. Because of the truth, if you if you really understand the mosaic laws and the importance of the of the laws and the sacrifices they made in the temple, you will not have the mouth to say the sacrifice of Jesus cannot be eternal. Because let me tell you how terrible it was. Do you realize? Let me say some things about the Old Testament. Do you realize first of all that in the Old Testament, when they say there's a part where so they have two goats or two animals that are sacrificed, right? There's one that's called the scapegoats and there's one that's called the stray goats. Are we together, guys? Literally, scapegoat and So now, for the scape, the scapegoat is what is killed, and the blood is taken in. The stray goats, his hands are laid on the stray goats by the high priest, and he takes away the sins. And I think that's a very terrible thing to do to a goat. Because, by Lord nation, you know, having carried the sins of an entire nation, it can't work well again. It should just be that good. I'll you into the wilderness. But, but beyond that, look at something very important. How does a man confess the sins of an entire nation on a goat? In a day. Actually, in a couple of minutes. How? Do you think the confession is, ah, I stole 2,000 hours. I know this thing is for one year. 
So meaning, you are confessing the sin, you have to confess the sins of the past one year. Of the entire nation. Let me tell you, the idea of forgiveness we have today, even in the Old Testament, they didn't use it. Amen? Hallelujah. The idea of forgiveness that we have today, the idea of forgiveness that, uh, that you do something, say, God forgive me, God forgive me. That idea, even in the Old Testament, it was not valid. <laughs> you don't get folks of the Old Testament, in time of, like Israelites, will look at us and say, ah, <laughs> do you know my point? Even Israelites, Israelites have more in Christ's understanding <laughs> than some believers today. Because even Israelites in those days, they knew that. So now pay attention. How then would the high priest have confessed the sin of the entire nation of Israel on the goats? Simple. They would have agreed and accepted that these goats would be the sacrifice of their sins. And that's all. That's the only way you can confess. They would have confessed that this is the sacrifice for our sins. And as a reason of these goats, our sins are taken away. That's all. That's all the confession they need. So the confession of the sins will not be them calling out the sins one after the other. It will be them acknowledging their state as sinners and acknowledging the ability of God through this goat to take away their sins. Are we together? Exactly. So now, when he now says, listen, when he now says, when he says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, that confess cannot be sinned. Can you see? So even this ideology we have, that we say that, that people think that we are doing New Testament, even in the Old Testament, such ideology doesn't stand. Amen? So now, now, now listen to something. Sure, you know, after they make that sacrifice, there's no more sacrifice for one year. It's not that they, it's not that you could do one sin that God say, ah, 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 no, 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 no. This one is more than one good. Ah, no, come on. Here my goat He's dead already, no? Do you understand? That after six months, God will say, ah, the kind of sins you put sin in these past six months. Quickly do another one. Quickly do one. Don't be annoyed, but quickly do one. I hope you know for the next one year, for the next one year, there's no other sacrifice. Ah. Ah. For the next one year, for there's no other sacrifice till the next goat. Are we together, guys? Do you understand? So when you now find one goat, greatest of all time, who now shows up on the scene and says the power of an endless life? Do you understand? It means. There will be nothing you will do that the scientists will shake him somewhere and say, ah, let's go to that now. Cannot happen. Nothing. Amen? Amen. Simple. So, you know, I explain this thing to you now from the Old Testament. You know, we do not do, because we would think, we would think that for us to be able to explain this thing, we have to go to the Old Testament. We will sit down with the Old Testament, and I will show you from the Old Testament that even the theology you have for forgiveness of sins is wrong. Amen. Hallelujah. So many even in the Old Testament, they do forgive sins by saying, God, forgive me. Amen? Are we together? Amen? Glory to Jesus. You know it's the word, it's not me. You know, you saw it, I've been shouting. You saw it in the word, it's not me. Glory to Jesus. That's it. That's it. And let me tell something. Sure, you know, if they did not have sacrifice for sins and they said, God forgive me, you know their sins are not forgiven. So, meaning, listen, forgiveness doesn't answer to what you say, it answers to sacrifice. Are we together? So, God forgive me is nice, but it's your guilt. Amen? It's your guilt. It's good though. It's not a bad thing. I know that's the thing. Bible also teaches repentance. Are, you, are we together, guys? Do you understand me? Bible teaches repentance. Bible teaches a change of hearts. So, of the truth, repentance is very good. Do you understand? And repent, there's a lot that we can talk about repentance. Changing your mind and stuff like that. But listen to me. Even at the end of the day, 
But even in the Old Testament, eh, forgiveness doesn't answer to you saying, God, forgive me. It answers to sacrifice. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? That's simple. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Up of Jesus. See, I'm saved. I'm saved. Eternally. By the sacrifice of Jesus. By the sacrifice of Jesus. Once for all. Hallelujah. See, Christ Jesus is my sacrifice. Christ Jesus is my high priest. After the power of an endless life, my sacrifice is forever. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Sacrifice is forever. It's once for all. Glory to Jesus. It's once for all. It's once for all. It's once for all. It's once for all. First John 2 from verse 1 to 2. He says, I write unto you, little children, that you sin not. But look, next, guess what he says next? He says, But if any man sins, he has an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. You know, there are things that if they said it today, they might fight sin. I say, ah, Don't say it too. You know, if you say it, some people start sinning anyhow. Are we together? And now, uh, how do you tell a man, that, how do you now say, you say, I write unto you that you don't sin, but if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. They will just be singing now. Singing now, singing now, singing now. Yes, I just want to say, ah, this sacrifice is too much. No, hallelujah. The Savior is competent. The sacrifice is perfect. The saved must be confident. It shall never perish. I can never. Are you with me? I can never. Not as a function of what I did, but a function of what he did. Hallelujah. I am in him justified, in him sanctified, in him redeemed, in him raised up to glory. You know, this is the real meaning of all things work together for good. This is the real meaning. Open your Bible, let's go to Romans 8, I'm sure. Romans 8. You know, because we always quick to read Romans 8. You say, all things work together for good of them who love the Lord. To them who are called according to his purpose. That's the beginning of the problem. Bible didn't say to them who are called. Bible said to them who are the called. There are two different things. Are we together, guys? He, he didn't say to them who are called according to his purpose. He says to them who are decalled. So when he says all things work together for, the, for good, he wasn't saying, now, you can use that phrase if you want to for your finances and your life and your ministry and so on and so forth. That's fine. No problem. All, together, all things work together for my good. You can use it. But if you are going to use this verse, <laughs> it's not referring to that. Huh? <laughs> it's not referring to that. Go there. Let me show you. Romans 8. Romans 8. Oh, glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Romans from the 8. Oh, glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Romans 8. Look at 20. Uh, 28. Okay. Let's start from. Okay, let's start from. Let's just verse 28. Look at what it says. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are what? To them who are then, continue. To them who are the called. According to his purpose. Now look at what he continues. Who are the called? Verse 29. For whom he did for no. Then he also he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he also was. And whom he called, he was. And whom he justified, he also was. So when we think all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord, who is he referring to? The man in Christ. And that all things work together for them who love the Lord is referring to the fact that we are called, we are justified, we are glorified. We are in Him justified, we are in Him glorified. That is all things working together for our good. 
Are we together, guys? That's why it goes on in that verse to now say, Who shall lay a charge to God's elect? It is God who justifies. That is God working everything for your good. God is working everything for my good because of this one thing. He, in Him, I'm justified. Are we together? At the end of the day, in Him, I'm justified. In Him, I'm glorified. Are we together, guys? In Him, I identify with His work for me. That is why all things work for my good. Does that make sense, guys? Now, don't get me wrong. All things work together. I mean, there's also the reality of the fact that, you know, by the power of the living God, things can work for your sake. Does that make sense, guys? But that's not this verse. Learn to use Bible by week. You know, I've not said that's wrong. I've just said this is not, that's not the context of this verse. Does that make sense, guys? So the truth, God works things. I mean, Bible talks about the fact that the, um, um, when Jesus, you know, in 1 uh, Corinthians 2, when he was referring to that, for if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Meaning that in the workings of men, by the oppression of the devil, they were actually working the counsel of God upon the earth. Are we together, guys? So in that scenario, so that's an example of God working things for our good. Does that make sense, guys? But you know that's not the context of this verse. The context of this verse is that we are in Him we are called unto justification. In Him we are called unto glorification. In Him we have been predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? Say all things work together for my good. For in Christ. And called in Christ and predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in Christ, I'm justified, and in Christ I'm glorified. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So this is the presence of the new creation. That in him I'm justified. Hallelujah. The presence of the new creation is that Christ is my sacrifice. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Christ is my sacrifice. That's it, though. That's, that's it. That's my, that is my short seat. That's where I stand. Christ is my sacrifice. An eternal sacrifice, once for all. Never to die again. Glory to Jesus. I, I hope you realize that when we talk about the entirety of the work of salvation, there was no impute of man save to believe. You know everything we said so far? Man did not do anything. Only to believe. Are we together? So, Jesus Christ died, for example. It was God that raised him up from the dead. Ah, and I've, I've covered one very important part that I should have touched before. But look at something very important. I hope you realize that when Jesus Christ died, alright, and then he, when he was buried, when Jesus Christ actually died, I hope you know the Bible says, or better say, I'm going to show you, the Bible says he went to hell. He went to hell. And now, hell does not refer to the idea of what we have today. You can read Acts 2 to understand that. Acts 2 from verse 38. To understand, verse 3 to 38. To understand that hell doesn't refer to what we think today as the place where the fire is burning and stuff. There is that, but hell is the word Hades in the Greek or Shoel in the Hebrew. It means a place of the dead. It means the grave. Are we together? A place where dead people are. That's what I was referring to. Are we together, guys? Do you understand me? So Jesus did not just die. You know what Jesus did? Let me explain what Jesus did. Jesus became us so we could become what he would become. Are we together, guys? Jesus, so listen, now you understand what I was talking about spiritual death. So listen, even though we were men that were walking upon the face of the earth, spiritually we were Hades. Do you understand now what I was saying about spiritual death? Can you not say I said spiritual death is man in union with devil? I think I called this thing a, a thing. The man from two worlds or something like that. I've said that phrase before. The man from two worlds, right? I think I'm going to teach a series of this very soon. The man from two worlds. That you were living on. So when we say you were spiritually dead, are we together? You, then, even though you were a man on earth, you were a man under the dominion of hell. Are we together, guys? You were actually in Hades. 
That's what you were. You were bound under the dominion of the devil. Are we together, guys? This is also the reason why the man in Christ today, even though he's on the earth, we can say he's a citizen of heaven. Does that make sense, guys? I, I wish together, guys. So, that's the same way it is. So, I, if I say I'm alive spiritually, what that means is this. Not only do I exist on this carnal plane of man, man's existence, I also exist in heaven. And that's where Paul now says in Philippians 3, verse 20, he says our citizenship is in heaven. Our conversation is in heaven. He now says something, something very interesting that blows his mind. He says, from whence we eagerly await the coming of the Savior. Eh? Because the mindset we have normally is we are on earth. Waiting for Jesus to come from heaven. <laughs> and now he busts your theology. And then he says, actually, we are citizens of heaven. And he says, from whence? So he wanted to be very clear. So you don't think that he's talking about something else. So it means from there, from that point, from that place where we are in heaven. He says, from there we are with the coming of the Lord. He says, who shall come to turn our vile bodies unto his glorious bodies? That shall be fashioned unto his glorious body. Hallelujah. So listen to me. What we are waiting for. It's not for us to be in heaven. We are waiting for our bodies to be changed. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Glory to Jesus. Ah, I can't I can't touch this thing. If I touch it, I will scatter blessings, actually. Let me just say something. Ah. Just take it in your mind and just go. Just just shall collect it and go like that. Now, you know, there's this thing that we always say that. When, when, we, when we go to heaven, after the rapture, what we'll be doing is that we'll be singing in heaven, hallelujah, 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 praise the Lord, hallelujah. Don't lie. Let's be honest. Is that not scary? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's hallelujah. No, wait. Let me say something. Do you realize something? Do you realize that everything that the work of salvation made available is to bring man into the state that he was before the fall? I'm going to say that again. Everything that salvation made available is that now this is something that just do your personal study on it. Is to bring man into the state that he was before the fall. And now let me now say something very key on that. All right, listen to me. Have you ever wondered what is the point of us having our bodies after the resurrection? Amen. Let me also say something very important too that that might that might interest you. You know, Bible says that we'll be fashioned like unto Jesus' glorious body. Does that make sense, guys? It means that the body that Jesus had upon the resurrection is the kind of body we are going to have. Are we together? Could that body, could people see that body on the earth? Amen. Could the body eat bread and fish? Amen. So maybe the idea that we have that in heaven, we just after sorry after the rapture, we just be never singing hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. First of all, why did the Bible say so? I did not say that that was not what was going to happen. I'm just saying where did the Bible say so? Do you lastly, 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 <laughs> lastly, lastly, just one last thing. Do you realize that heaven was not created for man? Heaven was created for man to have dominion over. No argument whatsoever. That was another discussion. But earth was actually created for man to exist in. Are we together, guys? When God created, when God made creation, he made the earth. And what did he do? He put man upon the earth. And then he gave man an instruction as regards the earth. Are we together, guys? And I hope you realize that he now says that 
you know, there's a scripture talks about in the book of Revelations how that there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. What will happen to the new earth? If all of us will be in heaven, it will be fallow, it will be growing, there will be bush. So that will be coming every one year to cut the bush so that it will not be so distinct. So animals will not feel everywhere. Listen. Amen. I was, I was actually genuinely, KBC 2025 was supposed to be my teaching on rapture, actually. But I don't think I can teach it yet. I don't think so. I don't think we are close. I think one of the biggest problems with Carrizo by Prophet is going to be the fact that as we keep increasing, there will be more people who have not been around for the previous years that will keep coming around. So I will have to be touching the things I've touched before. And it's always going to slow us down. It's always going to slow us down. Because let's do my plan. My plan was to actually teach on rapture in Carrizo by Prophet 2025. One of the best issues of rapture I've ever had, best issues of rapture I've ever had, was someone who taught it in school for six hours and he never opened the book of Revelations. The open door of relations, and he taught it for six hours. You, you know, and that one that shocked me was someone who taught rapture from the Old Testament. <laughs> you know, the biggest problem that we have with understanding rapture is we are, we are trying so much to understand the second coming. We don't really understand the first coming yet. You won't understand the second coming well enough if you don't understand the first coming. Are we together, guys? Do you understand me? That's the, that's the honest truth. And by the time you also understand that there were countless prophecies about the rapture actually in the Old Testament. Until when you understand those things, revelation will always be a revelation. <laughs> it's always be a revelation. So you keep seeing lions with the head of tiger. This is how you this and you can live by the You know, this thing looks like apocalypse. <laughs> like, what is this? May I not live to uh, don't worry. You might be sure to find that like, you are living in those days. Amen. Amen. This is teaching a teaching on rapture. Well, by the way, let's just know. You know, Bible also says that at the last trump. At the last trump. I mean, it's not trump. It's not trump. But you know, Bible also talks about the last trump in 1 Corinthians 15. And it says that the last trump that our bodies will be changed. But you know, if you read the book of Revelations, it talks about seven trumps. And each of those things were happening after each trump. But the 1 Corinthians 15 says that it's after the last trump that our bodies will be changed. So, where will we be from the first to the sixth trump? So, is it possible that some of the trumps are already sounding? Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Enough with the last trump. Let, let me just say, the only reason, the reason I said all of those things I just said now is to make you think. Don't, don't be too quick. Don't, don't just take things anyhow. Don't just take it. Just, just say, yeah, in the rapture, there'll be this thing. There'll be wars. This is a war. Everyone will scatter. This thing. And I say, yay. I hope you know that even John said it in First John when he was talking about the Antichrist. He says, brethren, this is, these are the last days. Like John called his own time the last days. So the idea that last days, you know, they say, ah, these are the last days. It's been the last days since. <laughs> Before you were born, it was the last days. Are we together? Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1. God was so right that the last man spoken to the fathers of the prophets. As in this world. As in this world. Spoken to us in this world. The moment the son began to speak, it became the last day. Amen? Amen. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. But listen to me. We have nothing to worry about. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. For our sacrifice is seated once for all. Glory to Jesus. Eternally in the heavens. That's our confidence. That's our hope. Glory to Jesus. You know, he says that we have a hope that cannot be moved. Hallelujah. Eternally in the heavens. Reserved for us. Unshakable. Ah! An anchor for the soul. Most sure and steadfast. Amen. Glory to Jesus. So, 
even if at all there will be tigers and there will be lions and scorpions upon the earth, guess what? Nothing is going to happen to me. Glory to Jesus. For in him I'm kept. In him I'm preserved. Hallelujah. He is my kinsman redeemer. Glory to Jesus. Just stand up. Let's take some confessions. Stand up. Let's take some confessions. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all you've done for me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the work of salvation. For in you I'm saved. In you I'm justified. In you I'm seated. Far above principalities and powers. I am now a son of God. I am now a slave to righteousness. I am now filled with the Spirit. I am now justified, sanctified, washed in the name of the Lord and by the Spirit of God. Come on, lift your hands and let's give him thanks. Come on. Lift your hands and give him praise. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, it's a song that, um, that comes to heart right now. All right, it's a very simple song. It goes, I see you just the way you are. Behold you just the way you are. I see myself in you. I'm justified in you. That's it. I see you just the way you are. Behold you just the way you are. I see myself in you. I see myself. I'm justified in you. Come on, everyone. I'm justified in you. I see you. Come on. I see you just the way you are. Behold you. Behold you just the way you are. I see myself in you. I see myself. I'm justified in you. Come on. I'm justified. Oh, I see you just the way. I see you just the way. Behold you just the way. Behold you just the way. I see myself in you. Come on. I see myself. I'm sanctified in you. Come on. I'm sanctified. I see you just the way. Everyone, I see you just the way you are. Behold you. Behold you just the way you are. I see myself in you. I see myself. I'm seated by your side. Come on. I'm seated by your side. I, I see you. I see you just the way you are. Behold you. Behold you just the way you are. I see myself in you. I see myself sanctified in you. Come on. Sanctified. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice. Thank you because now we stand in you justified. We stand in you free from sin, full of your Holy Ghost, sons and daughters of God, children of the living God, men who have been redeemed from sin forever, eternally justified, eternally sanctified, eternally saved. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we adore you. Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. 
Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Were you blessed? Were you blessed? Alright, have your seat. Hallelujah. Alright, um, so I just want to run for a couple of announcements. First and foremost, thank you very much for coming around. Alright, um, thank you very much for coming around. So a couple of announcements is, um, I think major announcement is probably about next month, alright, or this month actually, happy new month. Actually, happy new month, alright. So this month, on the 22nd of this month, alright, we're having our anniversary service. Alright, our second year anniversary. Glory to Jesus. Alright, glory to Jesus. So God, God has been faithful. God has been faithful. Okay. Um, it's interesting to know that as of two years ago, Kerizo Mishaka said from me and two disciples. Actually, two disciples. Alright. So that's actually how everything started. Glory to Jesus. And, you know, right now, we have folks being discipled outside the shores of Nigeria. Alright. So, and I, I don't mean people that have been blessed. I mean people who have been actively discipled. Right, so you know, there's a lot that the Lord has done for us, and so we just want to take out some time to give thanks to worship Him. I'll be doing a, a little teaching on, on worship, all right? Some a teaching on worship, and then we'll be having two of my friends come around to minister, all right? Um, you're going to see more information about it. I don't want to um, give <laughs> like I did in the late, I went to cast and said all of the ministers, all right? So, but just um, put your ears to the ground. The information about the meeting will be out, all right? So, please, as I said before, if you can. Do well to make it down to Elyfe, all right, for the meeting. If you can't, do well to stream the meeting, all right. It's not only going to be a worship meeting. As I said, the theme of the meeting is symphony, psalms, and prophecies. So it's not just going to be a meeting of worship. It's going to be a prophetic meeting, and it's going to be a meeting where there will be fire stirred up in our heart for worldwide evangelism. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Right. There's a lot that, that the Lord wants us to do. So it's a time where we come together, we set our focus right again, and we rush. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. As I want to implore you, all right, um, as the Lord lays in your heart, all right, please do well to reach out to us. If the Lord lays it in your heart to give, all right, there's a lot that we are doing. For example, the anniversary meeting, for example. One of the ministers, for example, is coming from Lagos, right? So we have to keep a lot, put a lot of things in place. Of course, we have folks that are traveling down also as well from Lagos. By the way, if you need help with like transportation and the likes, like you would like to come around, you can do well to reach out to us. We'll make plans. And we actually intend on making plans, all right? But the plans are also going to be largely based on folks who are interested. Alright, so we tend to make plans for folks who want to move from Lagos all the way to Ife, both for transportation and accommodation. Are we together? Right. So please, uh, um, if you if you want to be, if you would like to be a part of that, just reach out to us on any of the channels, particularly IG. Alright, can do well to re- reach out to us. And if you'd like to give as well, also do well to please reach out to us. Alright. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. Is there any announcement? Any other? Thing? Anything? Nothing else. Alright. Please, please stand up on your seat. Just stand up on your feet. I said, your seat. Stand up on your feet. Let's take our benediction as we leave. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, say now unto him. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according, according, according to his power that works in me, by me, for me, and through me. Thank you for listening. We're sure that it was an amazing time. For questions and inquiries, reach out to us on carysoul.mini at gmail.com. We call you blessed.